Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Should your zip code dictate your education? Well, apparently to the progressive left, the answer is yes. You know, the, the same group that derides the fact that uh, your zip code shouldn't dictate your outcomes in life. Yeah, that's what I thought. Hypocrisy much. Well, this week on Critical Thinking, we're going to dive into the fight for educational freedom and its opponents. The teachers unions and the progressive left, lest I actually repeat myself. I'm Andrew Coppins, and you're tuned in to Critical Thinking. Welcome in to kind of the different version of critical thinking that we're going forward. This is something we're going to be testing out over the coming months. So, folks, please make sure you leave your feedback. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on X at The Coppins Show. Very, very simple. Please DM me interact with the tweets, interact with the show there. Let me know what you're thinking about this new version. Again, this is all about us focusing on issues, focusing in on policies, focusing in on facts, all of that sort of stuff in a way that will allow you to critically think for yourself. And most importantly, you know, you go, you, you can find news of the day and commentary on it anywhere. And so what we are trying to do is find a way to impact the discussion, to actually impact your life. So I want you to be able to think. I want to give you the tools and the research to think. And that's what these Tuesday shows are going to be about, is giving you the background and the tools to think. And then Thursday, we will have an interview on every subject. Thursday will be that interview with either experts, thought leaders, people that are important to the topic at hand. It could be from the left. It could be from the right. It could be from anywhere. But people who have some expertise, some knowledge, and we're going to dive into not just the background, but the actual news and realities that are going on on the ground. And that's the goal of this program. So I hope that you guys enjoy what we're trying to format with, and by the way, um, some really great news for Pat. 
the co-host of this program, who is a brand new dad. Um, Pat and Ashley and their baby are home from the hospital after the uh, C-section birth of their baby uh, just a few weeks early. And they are doing fantastic. He's a little nugget. He's so dang cute. I've been able to see some pictures. Uh, Pat has also put them up, I believe, on social media from time to time. Um, so if you want to check that out, again, it's at the Pat Only Show. You can find him and interact with him. But he is helping behind the scenes to help us n- kind of navigate this new world. Um, he just doesn't have the time to help record. All right, so with that being said, teachers' unions, Chicago's teacher union, more importantly, we're going to talk about that on Thursday. But as I was thinking about this topic of public education and school choice or educational freedom, however you want to uh, term what we're going to be talking about this week, I thought we should probably acknowledge the realities of what public compulsory education has always been about. Like, like I don't know if many of us really have studied or understood the history of quote-unquote public education here in America. I, I really don't know if that is something that we have done. So that's what we're actually going to do today. Now, I know that you've been told for the vast majority of your life, right, that um, public education is a great equalizer. It's all about social climbing for everybody. Everybody has the uh, same opportunity to climb up the social ladder and anybody because of public education, right? It's all about creating opportunity. That folks is an absolute fallacy. It is an utter lie. And it's a lie that has been spread largely by teachers' unions, largely by people who want more and more of your money, namely politicians. This is not the reality of public education in America. In fact, the reality of how it started, what it has always been about, and what they've done with public education is a very dark, nasty, deep history in this country. Again, have you ever even stopped to wonder where our current system even comes from? Or have you just accepted that, well, it's just been all about those pie-in-the-sky, great equalizer things that you've been told about time and again from teachers' unions and administrators and teachers' colleges, and da-da-da-da-da. Have you ever stopped to wonder about the actual history? Where and when did public education and the compulsory component of, of public education become a thing? How did it happen? Why? Well, fee.org and a study from the University of California at San Diego looked at not just America, by the way, that study, but at 40 different countries around the world. And by the way, I'm using fee.org and the University of California at San Diego because they are on polar opposite political spectrums, if you will. One of them is focused on, obviously, uh, the foundation for economic education, and it is much more of a libertarian 
leaning, more right libertarian than left libertarian leaning uh, publication. Whereas it's academia on the other side. And the University of California, San Diego looked at not just America, but 40 different countries around the world. And they came to the same conclusion, both of them. They point out that it was actually never, ever about betterment or some sort of educational standardization and therefore the proletariat or the plebes or the peasants or working class or whatever term you want to use from around the world can socially climb and better themselves. It's been a byproduct of some of that, absolutely. But it has never been about that. It has always been about social order and control. It's always been that way. Whether you want to talk about czarist Russia or whatever in the 1700s or Thomas Jefferson and some of the founding fathers talking about it after the War of 1812 or the Revolutionary War that they fought, by the way. It's never actually been about most of that. But it's about teaching and indoctrinating a sense of order and civil responsibility. That's what it's, quote-unquote, been about. But here in America is where I really want to focus our talk today. Because a lot of us don't really know the history of public education, period, point, Blank. None of us really study it. None of us seem to care. But if you want to actually know the realities, if you want to figure out the landscape that exists today, you actually do have to know the history. Because my argument about educational freedom, as I like to call it, is that the mix of government and quote-unquote education is a toxic mix. It always has been, and it always will be. So for here in America, we need to go into the Wayback Machine to the year 1852. Chances are that year means absolutely nothing to you. And maybe it shouldn't, but it actually should, because it is the year that the compulsory public education began to be a thing in America. And the real question is, why 1852? That's a random-ass year, right? It is totally random. Well, Kelly McDonald, writing at fee.org, back in 2017, actually gives us a really great history of education in this country. But she, she starts with not just education, folks, okay? She really talks about this from a, we need to broaden the perspective. A lot of us who study history and know American history don't actually know this history. And it's because by and large, if we take a look at the period of 1830 to 1860, what are we focused in on from a history perspective? Well, the, the addition of Western and more Southwestern uh, territory to the American landscape and the Missouri Compromise and slavery as the overarching issue of it all. Well, guess what? Education actually has nothing to do with it. But there is a 
different thing, a different other, if you will, that has everything to do with this. So as Kelly McDonald points out in fee.org, between 1830 and 1840, U.S. immigration quadrupled. And between 1840 and 1850, it tripled again. That's right. So seven times the population from 1830 to 1850. Particularly troubling, as McDonald points out at fee.org, particularly troubling to lawmakers at the time was the fact that many of these new immigrants were Irish Catholics who threatened the dominant Anglo-Saxon Protestant culture and religious customs. The Massachusetts state legislature, Boston, was a massive area where Irish immigrants were settling, right? Noted this back in the 1850s, quote, Those now pouring in upon us in masses of thousands upon thousands are wholly of another kind in morals and intellect. Now, if I just put that out there to you in no context, none, right? What were you thinking or what would you think they were talking about? Whom? Whom are they talking about? The Irish Catholic immigrants. They were talking about the immigrant population to this country. All of them from Western countries, right? From European countries, most of which are Irish Catholic immigrants. Again, what is going on in Ireland, the potato famine in really terrible conditions over there like legit dying. It's also how you see the immigrants over to Scotland from Ireland and da 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 okay? Where they also othered those because in Scotland, what was the dominant religion of the time? Protestantism. Catholics were others to the Protestants here in America. They were totally totally the others. They were seen as immoral. They were seen as stupid. They were seen as not worthy of being on the same level as the Anglo-Saxon Protestant society that largely was America during the revolutionary period, post-revolution into the 1830s. Universal taxpayer-funded common schools, as McDonald points out, became the mechanism to rein in these masses and quote-unquote Americanize them into societal norms. But Catholics had no want for this, by the way. No want whatsoever. Massachusetts, again, in 1852, becomes the first state to make public school compulsory And almost every other state, in fact, all states now, follow suit. Most of them within like a year, two, but within a decade, every single state had compulsory public education laws in the 1850s. It was a law with full effect of legal force. You either attended school or else. Now, Catholics rebelled, and if you ever want to know why there are so many private Catholic schools in America, it's because they refused the Protestant public education, and they were setting up their own parochial schools instead. 
In fact, the really interesting part of the history of the Knights of Columbus, the the Catholic Men's Fraternal Organization, is why it was set up to begin with. It was set up because the hospitals of the time and, and widowing and, and how this was taking place was a great burden on the Catholic society because they were othered still. And Father McGivney, who started the, the Order of the Knights of Columbus, began it as a charitable way for, for them to provide for widows and, the, and their children and, and help in a society in which Catholics were not going to get the quote-unquote public help. Interestingly, it is Catholics who have largely held the want to take government out of the picture here, take government out of adoption and put it in private hands, private over public. But let's get back to education. Because by the 1880s, many states actually began to outlaw the taxpayer funding. That's right. In the 1850s, okay, we have compulsory education, but it was actually public dollars that would then help with these parochial schools, by the by. But by the 1880s, many states began to outlaw the taxpayer funding of these schools, known as Blaine Amendments, to this compulsory public education situation. See, you could fulfill that compulsory education component with your parochial schools. That's the reality that, it, that is in front of us. But by the 1880s, many states began to outlaw that. Okay? Oregon and other states over the next 40 years worked to try to outlaw private education at all. That's right. So it wasn't good enough for Protestant America. It wasn't good enough that they were just going to take away your taxpayer funding towards these other educational opportunities. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You couldn't give yourself a Catholic-based education. You couldn't, as a family, decide, as parents decide, the education that is best for your children. And that's what many, 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 many people are missing. Now, this was actually struck down by the Supreme Court in 1925. And it's a um, landmark case called Pierce versus Society of Sisters. 
In delivering the opinion of the court, Justice McReynolds wrote this, and this is from Kelly McDonald's piece at fee.org. Quote, the act of 1922 unreasonably interferes with the liberty of parents and guardians to direct the upbringing and education of children under their control. The fundamental theory of liberty upon which all governments in this union repose excludes any general power of the state to standardize its children by forcing them to accept instruction from public teachers only. The child is not the mere creature of the state. Those who nurture him and direct his destiny have the right, coupled with the high duty, to recognize and prepare him for additional obligations. Again, this is the Supreme Court of the United States saying the state has no right, none, it is not a creature of the state. And again, those who nurture him and direct his destiny have the right, coupled with the high duty, to recognize and prepare him for additional obligations. It is not the right of the state to control that. It is the right of the parent. And that is from the, the uh, constitutional opinion of the Supreme Court of the United States, in which, by the way, they have never been able to challenge and defeat that opinion from 1925 with Justice McReynolds writing that. Now, I want you to compare that to this from a 2017 piece in, Atlant in the Atlantic. It's called The War on Public Schools by Erica Christakis. Quote, so what happens when we neglect the public purpose of our publicly found, funded schools, the discussion of vouchers and charter schools in its focus on individual rights has failed to take into account American society at large, the cost of abandoning an institution designed to bind, not divide our citizenry are high. As McDonald points out in response, Binding society by force to inculcate a particular cultural doctrine is not what builds a free, tolerant, and thriving democracy. Perhaps something erected on questionable moral and historical grounds should be removed. And that is the point of all of this. This was never about doing a great service for the general society. This was about control and indoctrination into what they believed to be quote-unquote civil society. They othered people based off of their simple religious beliefs. The old Irish-Anglo fight, right? And they were seen, Catholics specifically, as others. They were seen as unworthy of the intellect. They were not as broadly intellectual. They were not smart. They, they were the dullards and the dregs of our society and, and bringing them here in droves. Again, that tripling in one deck or that quadrupling in one and a tripling in the other. So seven times over the course of 20 years, America grew seven times its population. Let me ask a very simple question as we fast forward here. And that simple question is this. Today, are we experiencing an absolute population surge? Yes, it is from a very different 
a massively different wave of immigration. It is from illegal immigration that we have really no idea what we have done. Some estimates put it at 11 million. Those estimates haven't changed in a decade, so my suggestion is that it is vastly higher. Others put it closer to 30 million. That's right, 30 million over the course of the last decade. That's about 3 million every single year. In a society of 330 million people today, that's what we estimate our population to be here in America. An additional 30 million over the course of 10 years is 10xing our population. It is literally what we were seeing in the 1850s. And it is largely populations that are more religious, I would say, right? You take a look at what is happening with uh, the populations coming from Central and um, Central America and Mexico. They are largely more religious as a society, more Catholicly religious as a society. Are we just watching history repeat itself today? In 1925, the Supreme Court got what was going on. They were hip to the government's game. So, as we take a look at the evidence of what took place here, it was never about giving them the ABCs, the one, two, threes, and building a society of social climbers. It was never about that. That has been a largely 20th century byproduct of this. This isn't about finding a way to give them all of the basics and then some civics and understanding of the basics of American um, ideals and principles. No. Are there universal principles of America? I, I think the most universal of those principles, if we have them, if we want to believe in them, is freedom. And what better way to showcase that than educational freedom? Now, this is a small sliver of the history, and I suggest you take a look at the brutalization that took place of not just the Irish Catholics. Take a look at the quote-unquote re-education of Indian schools and their brutalization. Go take a look at what American government did with its public compulsory schooling. Take a look at the brutalization that took place in the 1800s. It is largely something that is not studied. But that brutalization, that indoctrination, has always been a part of the public education of America. So I ask simply this. Given the evidence in front of us, do you think tying education and government together is actually a good idea? I don't believe it to be so, and it has nothing to do with the fact that part of my family would have experienced this brutalization, this othering, when they came here, when they settled as Irish-American immigrants in the 1850s and elsewhere, or the, the Belgian Catholic population that was being um, taken apart in 
what was the Netherlands or the province of, of Belgium within the Netherlands? And it's fight between Protestant and Catholic that was going on there either. Again, I, I, I just simply go back to the words of, of Erica um, Christakis. I go back to the words. What happens when we neglect the public purpose of our publicly funded schools? What is that public purpose? What is it? What is it? I, I, I don't think we have an agreement on that, and I don't think we should have an agreement on that. Who decides the public good? Who decides the public purpose? Whom? Because if we take a look at the history of government, it has been, well, the government decides that. Shouldn't we, the people, be the ones that decide that? Shouldn't we, parents or those parents, because I'm not a parent, be able to decide that? That's to say nothing of the argument of why are we using taxpayer dollars to fund education. Those two things can actually be a separate argument, by the by. Now, notice how she talks about binding as well there. Instead of dividing, we can't we need to be binding instead of dividing our society. But okay, since 2017, since 2010, I would even argue, is critical race theory about binding or dividing? Is the 1619 project also wholly inaccurate history, but about dividing or binding? Is gender or queer theory about dividing or binding a society together? Well, it's actually just about creating a whole different society, not based on truth or reason or critical thinking. No. But it is one that seeks to divide us by race, and if you don't see it, if you don't see quote-unquote, color everywhere, or you, you don't recognize the, individual, the the collective and you seek the individual, right? Whether that individual is black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, and you just seek them out for their individuality and, and you, do you have something in common, commonality? No. Instead, it's you must see this. You must see that. You must recognize this, you know, whatever. It's not creating a society based on some sort of patriotic, whatever that is, or civil, whatever that is, education. It seeks to divide us that you have to recognize that there's a division that does exist. And if you don't recognize that, you're evil. You have to accept it to, to be a right or virtuous person. And oh, by the way, you must work to then stop the division. No, 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 there's no stopping the division because it must exist for critical race theory to exist. It must exist for queer theory or gender theory to exist. Because the second that it stops, it's just like the second that uh, Roe versus Wade stopped and Big Baby thought it was just over. No, the fight for pro-life has just begun. There are no ties that are actually supposed to bind us in those theories, don't you see? Critical race theory is all about a recognition that um, there's an oppressed and an oppressed, an oppressor. Same thing with gender theory. Same thing with the 1619 Project. It is all about this oppressed versus oppressor worldview. 
Our education system has always been about a dominant worldview. But my question is, have we even seen that dominant worldview be for the quote-unquote good of society? Take a look at what's going around in our society today and ask you if you think that's healthy. Do you think our society has become healthier based off of public compulsory education and our education dollars being spent there or not? Have there been some benefits to our society? Absolutely. I'm not saying that there hasn't been, but they have been a byproduct, not the direct product. They have been a, if it happens, great Is our education even focused on increasing reasoning, scientific pursuit? Is it about critical thinking? Or has it become about something else? And by the way, critical thinking is not being exposed to uh, various ideas and dangerous this or not dangerous that. It is an actual skill set that should help you discern the various theories that are out there. Now, All of this is also to lead me to the interview that we are having on Thursday's program and that it is the interview that I've set up. As we look at the current harm of those involved in public education and the fight that's going on for educational freedom for students today. So on Thursday, I'm going to be speaking to Miley Smith, a frequent guest on this program and expert on education for Illinois policy located here in Chicago. We're going to take a look at the fight that's happening in our backyard over the Investing Kids Act, basically the voucher program, um, the the scholarship program, if you will, that allows almost 10,000 students throughout the state to be able to afford to go and get an education that their parents or themselves see fit for themselves. We're taking a look at it, and... We're also going to take a look at the strange stranglehold that the Chicago Teachers Union holds over politicians, not here in Chicago, but all across the state of Illinois. And we want to ask a very critical question. Is it about the public good or is it about Stacey Davis Gates, her bottom line, and the hypocrisy that exists within the life of Stacey Davis Gates, who is arguably the most politically powerful individual in the state of Illinois now that Mike Madigan is no longer in power. So Thursday, we will have that interview. Again, that's with Miley Smith of Illinois Policy. So we're excited for that. But until then, please be smart, be safe, be kind, make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.